Have you ever had a partner who bangs on about their ex like all the goddamn time? Well, welcome to Joshua. We have left the books of the law and now we enter the books of narrative. Here are, you would assume, the stories, the real meat of the Old Testament. We open with God banging on about how he's with Joshua and his people, just like I was with Moses. Do you remember? Do you remember Moses? Remember how much I loved him? Yeah, yeah, God, I, I get it. Well, I like you too. L like, not love. Well, you, you're definitely in my top five. Top, top five, but, but oh, wasn't Moses great? Now, this goes on for ages, but basically, God's with Joshua now, and when they go over the river and get to the promised land, they, they still haven't got there. For fuck's sake, they are milking what is essentially walking over a bit of water. It's like they had a word count, got to the final part and realised that they still had about a thousand words to go, so they're just treading water. Anyway, all the people are instantly cool with following Joshua instead of Moses. The king is dead, long live the king. Joshua now sends two secret spy men over into the land to check it out. They instantly find a harlot's house and we learn that sex workers ain't no snitches. Right, these guys are hidden by this harlot, uh, Rahab, and when they are instantly discovered, she keeps them safe until they can make good their escape. As a reward for Rahab being all kinds of awesome, they make a deal with her Jericho. That's it, they're in Jericho. Anyway, yeah, they, they make a deal with her, basically. When the Israelites come over the river and take over this land, everyone is going to get slaughtered, except Rahab and her family, so long as they all hide in her house and tie a little red ribbon to the window. It's another example of inside good, outside bad. Okay, harlot friend now back to Joshua. And what did the spies achieve? Other than making friends with a sex worker and almost getting caught straight away, what did their reconnaissance actually achieve? I guess they now know the city is kind of scared of them because of all the rape and pillage they've been doing. There's that, but they have God on their side who has categorically told them he'll sort it for them. So what does it matter if these people are scared or not? Was this just a way to write in Rahab? She'd better be vitally important later and not just be a footnote. Anyway, time comes to cross over this river. They've been threatening to cross this river for fucking ages, but okay, here's how they do it. The people with the Ark go first. As uh, soon as their feet touch the Jordan, it parts. This is a lot more of a low-key sea parting event than before, but still, footstep, water, whoosh. Now here we go again. Way to retread old steps, God. Nothing wrong with playing the classics. Yawn Arama. Just get across, okay? I've got plans with rocks to tell you about. And they do, and he does. God tells Joshua to get 12 men. Each man must get a rock. This will forever remind them of the passing of the River Jordan. No, it doesn't matter why or how. It just well, now obviously it doesn't remind them of the passing of the River Jordan as much as, you know, the Red Sea bit, because people still talk about that now, but who fucking cares about the passing of the River Jordan? No matter how many rocks you may see, hold, touch, or secretly love, no one cares about this river crossing. So our boys, the Israelites, are the other side of the River Jordan, or the neighbourhood kings absolutely shit it. They've heard of the violent, no mercy, murdering, raping, slave-taking people of God, and they are terrified. They hear of the sea parting event and think, not quite as impressive as that whole Red Sea business, but still pretty dope. So as the kings are brown trousering it, God tells Joshua to circumcise the children a second time. Now, 
I can only imagine this means circumcise the ones that aren't circumcised, or, or that God tells Joshua for a second time to circumcise the kids. Surely it doesn't mean to circumcise every circumcised child a second time, but tells Josh to get a sharp knife to do it, not his mouth, you fucking weirdos. But yeah, circumcise at the hill of the foreskins again. Whether this is a delightful euphemism for where upon the cock you're doing some cutting, or the shittest name of a hill ever. So with Sean Cox all around, they camp at Gilgal. Josh sees this guy turn up out of nowhere with a massive sword. I assume that means a literal sword, but after the last time, I have Cox on the brain. Death on purpose that, isn't it? Turns out he's only a bloody angel. The angel says, what up, and promptly fucks off out of the story forever. No time for love, Josh. Let's get to Jericho. The army marches there, runs around the outside of the city, blowing horns like pricks, generally being the very worst of neighbours. The walls fall down, just like in the Prodigy song, and everyone in Jericho gets got. Apart from Rahab the harlot. Seems mean to always call her that. Can't I be Rahab? The woman that saved your sorry asses, or Rahab the awesome, but you're a harlot. Not exclusively, Rahab the daughter, harlot. Alright then, people of God the murderers, whoa, 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 Rahab, not cool. Oh, so you can call me a harlot, but I can't call you murderers. People of God will do, he's on our side and totally cool with us. Yeah, about that, interjects God. God starts getting angry and pointing out that his people, once again, have done gone loads of sinning. He threatens everyone that he will no longer be with them if they don't apologize, so Josh has the job of rounding up the 12 tribes of Israel to do some groveling, and I tell you what, when they start admitting their sins, it all comes out. It turns out that so many of them have been systematically breaking every single God-given commandment. People get stoned with stones and burnt with fire. It's a whole commotion and seems almost very extremely unfair to bring this up now. They have just got over the river, just brought down Jericho, and God chooses this moment to go, Oh yeah, almost forgotten, you are a bunch of balance, aren't you? But live and let live. As the people had done their best at apologising, God decided to let Joshua know that there was a city minding its own business, doing absolutely nothing wrong, not interfering with them at all, not hassling them in the slightest, so they have to die. Joshua, at God's command, bum-rushes the city, kills everyone, burns the city to the ground, steals all the cattle, hangs the king from a tree. It's brutal, unprovoked, and just... Th this book does not paint God's Chosen in a very good light. Whilst Moses was all preachy-preachy, Joshua just seems like a violenty-violenty young man. Like, he's got something to prove because God keeps going on about Moses, like, all the bastard time. Know what all this leads to? Well, obviously, the nearby city-states and towns and that have heard all about this violent group of people wandering about the place, laying siege to places for no reason whatsoever. They have heard how these people were responsible for the slaughter of an entire generation of babies. Some presumably thought this was hyperbolic, but no, not hyperbole. In fact, these people annually celebrate the massacre of innocent babies, so they shit it and band together into a group. We'll call them the Allies. Everyone is scared and angry about them, God's people, apart from one little place where the Gideons live. This lot saw that these Israelites would roll a natural 20 all day long and decided to make friends. Can we be a new club? Our, our bread's mouldy and everything. Well, 
Think we'll have to protect you? Like, almost instantly, mate. And instantly it was. You see, the Allies took over the Gideons as they had aligned themselves with the most violent group currently threatening the Middle East. A fight ensues. Another one, Greg. That's all there is in this fucking book, my friends. Brutal fucking murder. During this fight, right, God lends a hand because if you can't fight fair, have an all-powerful, if clearly bipolar, deity with you. God rains rocks down on the enemy, which is, I think you'll agree, cheating. But a handful of kings have had enough of this, so quickly make the executive decision to run away and hide. In a cave, where no one can find them. They will be perfectly safe, so long as their enemy doesn't have on their side, I don't know, a god that is literally omnipotent. So God, the snitch, tells Josh where they are, Josh takes some of his army to find them, crushes their necks, smokes them, and hangs them. Fucking mental. You may have noticed at this point that, as violent as this book is, there is no jeopardy. The only lives lost by the Israelites have been where God decides that some of them need to be stoned, with stones, don't forget, or burnt. Greg, what do they burn them with? My bad, sorry. Burnt with fire. The only deaths to Israelites are by God. Who is on their side? So we have more and more fighting. Occasionally, they come across groups of peaceful people. Seems wrong to mercilessly slaughter perfectly peaceful people. Not to worry, God's got an answer for this. He will make them want to fight so Joshua can destroy them with no tricky moral dilemmas. We then have a list of everyone Joshua was able to kill and all the loot and slaves they got. To be fair, this does seem like a particularly dickish chapter, just showing off how aggressive they can be. Is Joshua a goodie? Are we on his side? Um, I've got a horrible feeling we are on his side, because this is just a long book about aggressive military campaigns, but not to worry, we're going to get a time jump to Josh being all old and Bible doing a classic tautology of when Joshua was old and stricken in years, God said, Joshua, you are old and stricken in years. These little lines are some of my best bits in all of Bible. It's like it's calming you down, making sure you're fully prepared for what's coming next. Okay, dear reader, we are going to have a fight in a minute and you think the hero will die, but he doesn't die. And then when he doesn't die, he says, hooray, I didn't die. <coughs> there was a fight and the hero almost died and everyone thought he would die, but he didn't die. And when he didn't die, he said, hooray, I didn't die. Okay, Bible, you cheeky minx. Right, we dish out stolen land to the 12 tribes of Israel, briefly mentioned giants, which gets a little exciting, but as quickly as it's mentioned, it's forgotten again. Damn you, Bible, give me my giants! But no. Instead of giants, what do we get? We get a load of chapters just tediously listing who gets what town, what city, what village. It painstakingly breaks down every single area and who now owns it. We have a very brief pause for Bible to mention about some special murder cities. These are places where everyone who has done a murder can hide in, and if you're hiding there, no one is allowed to get you. Then, as if nothing has happened at all, and they didn't just have this weird pro-death aside, they get back to dishing up country to various groups. All this land that must be covered with the dead bodies of thousands upon thousands of slain enemies, God's chosen are just strolling around, settling into their own slice of heaven. And you can't help but think that perhaps God should have made sure no one was already living on the promised land. You'd have thought he'd have at least checked beforehand. No? Just me? Alright. Joshua is so old right now, so he gathers up heads of the tribes to tell them that 
God is, you know, ace, that God has delivered on his promise, reminds them that they are all pieces of shit, that God will annihilate them when they inevitably fuck up, they will fuck up, and just keeps mentioning how his journey is over, how old he is. Is he gonna die? Oh, oh no, is the woman called Joshua gonna die? Moses got four books and Joshua only gets the one. Oh, the poor little fella, man. I'm afraid to say that yes. He does die. But remember, dear listener, this is Bible. So just before he dies, he goes through a too-long-didn't-read summary of all of Bible. Literally everything we have read, every single bastard page, is summarised into about a hundred words. Then, the quickest jab of, God won't forgive you if you worship other gods, which you definitely will. Then he, I, I know, I know I keep saying he'll die, but there's always one more thing. But this is the last thing before death, a proper pinky sweat. Joshua writes the books of the law, and writes the law on a stone tablet. Was this not Moses? I'm sure this has already been done. Well, Joshua does it anyway, and then he dies. 110 years young. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a big old dick-swinging document of war, this. But don't get too comfortable, because it's judges next, and holy shit, things are going to get even worse. listening to a better bible now we need you to spread the word rate comment and subscribe on itunes follow the twitter in the episode description and let us know how we changed your life why you love us how you need us share this with the world evangelize like a bastard <laughs> you stupid